You're listening to a Podglomerate original. This episode of Missing Pages is brought to you by Book of the Month, a curated subscription service that makes it easy to discover new books you'll love. Every month, members get to choose from a selection of titles that are picked by an editorial team, real people who read hundreds of books. I'm going to use their app to make my monthly selection. I open the app. I see this month's selections for March. I'm going to choose one I really am excited about reading, which is Anita DeMonte Laughs Last by Zoshnal Gonzalez. And so all I do is make it my book of the month by clicking the blue button. And there we go. It's in my checkout and I can choose other add-ons to go along with it or just receive the one book. To get started, visit bookofthemonth.com to pick a book and use code CHIRP to receive it for $9.99. That's code C-H-I-R-P. If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. The 2010s, a decade defined by the marriage between everyday people and the smartphones that would go on to rule our lives. Suddenly, everyone everywhere was online, all the time. Gone were the days of fuzzy flip phone photos. Now, anyone with an iPhone could point, click, and post. So began this unholy matrimony between teens, tech, and social media apps fueled by pictures. This is Instagram. It's a social media app that lets users take, edit, and share photos and 15-second videos. Upon its launch in 2010, Instagram's aspirational slogan was, capture and share the world's moments. It has a ton of cool filters, which makes posting images Fun. Oh, early Instagram. It was a wholesome place to be, where millennials slapped a sepia-toned filter on their Starbucks order, called it art, and their followers would go wild. Instagram ushered in the emergence of on-demand photo diaries. And with the means of creation living at the bottom of your purse or riding along in your back pocket, suddenly even the most mundane moments became content. Before celebrity publicists and social media managers flooded the platform, it was savvy 20-somethings who understood the assignment. I'm Caroline Calloway. I'm 23 years old, and I live mainly in Cambridge, but sometimes in New York. As much as I think of myself as a writer, it just so happens that I've found an audience for myself in a place where every time I want to share a piece of my story with them, I have to do it visually as well. Enter. Caroline Calloway. She used Instagram to document her experience at St. Edmund's College, Cambridge in the United Kingdom. 
You can hear her talking to HuffPost in 2014 about her bedazzling social media presence. When I found out I got into Cambridge, I was like, this is amazing. This is everything I ever wanted. And here's where Instagram, Caroline, and the book publishing industry tie the knot. I grew up reading books like Harry Potter and Artemis Fowl. And I was like, you know what would be really cool is if I lived in a world like the worlds in Harry Potter and Artemis Fowl. And I know that's sort of a silly dream to some people to want to live in the world of your books. But I was like, this is the dream that's just really important to my heart. Caroline, a history of art student, racked up half a million Instagram followers posting about her dreamy life as an American studying abroad. It is the most fairy tale ice cream cone that has ever been eaten because you have the backdrop of these sort of Disneyland storybook castles. On the gram, the 20-something married these charming, fantastical images of romance and academia in Europe with long, prosy, live journal-esque captions that documented the vulnerable stories behind each idyllic photograph. And as a lot of our stories this season go, Miss Calloway was doing something different and book publishing took notice. In 2015, she translated her Instagram following into what editor of Publishers Lunch, Erin Summers, might describe as a significant deal, or rather between $251,000 and $499,000. Oh, and if you're interested in learning more about how book deals and advances are reported on, definitely check out our bonus episode where I interview Erin Summers. She's an author and the editor of the Publisher's Lunch Daily Newsletter, which reports on the latest deals. In perhaps a sign of what was to come, Caroline told the press it was a flat half a million dollar deal. But like the honeymoon phase of every relationship, by 2017, the mood had shifted. Caroline Calloway is being called a one-woman fire festival, which isn't the most flattering description. How did she go from scoring a half-million-dollar book deal to sitting in an apartment overflowing with mason jars? Caroline Calloway's rise and fall has been well-documented by almost every corner of the internet. And her story is so big, we're spreading it over two episodes. This is the only author we've covered on Missing Pages to date, who curiously has never had an actual book published. We'll get you up to speed on who Caroline Calloway is and how she fits into the story of modern book publishing. Now, many have written about Miss Calloway's tomfoolery. Okay, who the fuck is Caroline Calloway? I'm gonna tell you everything you need to know about her in 60 seconds and it's a lot, so here I go. And yes, there will be some of that in this episode. But remember, dear listener, this is a show about books. And in that regard, we plan to take Caroline seriously as an emerging author. Does the queen of clout even want to write? As many authors know, myself included, writing a book is a process. And especially for memoirists excavating their life for the page, this process takes time. Is Caroline part of a long tradition of messy and tragically interesting female memoirists? Or was the book deal, like her signature flower crown, just an accessory? 
another shiny object to draw more followers into her attention-seeking vortex. Let's find out together. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Welcome back to Missing Pages, the podcast where we reopen literary cold cases and find out if we all missed some important details the first time around. It's me, your friend and host, Beth Ann Patrick, lit critic, author, and dog mom. There's a lot going on in the Caroline Calloway story. So in order to do it justice and include all the missing pages, we're trying something a little different and making this story a two-parter. Welcome to our first installment, Essential Snake Oils, part one of the Caroline Calloway story. Chapter one, a white woman's Instagram. Who doesn't love Bo Burnham's Netflix musical comedy special, Inside? And come on, especially that song. What an instant classic. It's all the tropes we love, combined with a compassionate, cool glass of water at the end here. Her favorite photo of her mom. The caption says, I can't believe it. It's been a decade since you've been gone. The song's ending is a kind reminder that even the most filter-obsessed it girls of the gram are real people, worthy and deserving of our empathy. Appropriately titled White Woman's Instagram, the tune captures just how the image-focused social media platform became a place where our fantasy of reality unfolds. Speaking for myself as, you guessed it, some white lady with an Instagram account, I can tell you firsthand, there is something gratifying about sending out a little filtered slice of life into the internet ether and receiving instant validation for merely existing. And wanting to share updates with your community, both as a private citizen or as an influencer, that's totally normal. It's above-board behavior. But I guess this is a story about when one Instagrammer took things a little too far. Where did the now infamous Caroline Gottschall Calloway come from? 
Let's wrap our heads around her origin story. I'm from Falls Church, Virginia. That's Caroline on the Eyewitness Beauty podcast back in the fall of 2021, talking about her early life. I went first went to boarding school in Alexandria, Virginia, and then I went to boarding school in New Hampshire Which at one? Exeter. From boarding school, where Caroline describes herself as a bit of a fish out of water, coming from a middle-class background, our young ingenue applies to her dream school, Cambridge University in the United Kingdom. So I applied a second time. They reject me again. I start at NYU. I basically just throw myself into NYU. Hermione Granger without the time turner. I start my Instagram. And then my sophomore year, I apply a third time and I get in. Before heading across the pond to start at St. Edmunds College, Cambridge, Caroline sets up an Instagram account. I don't know if you guys remember Tucker Max, but the way that he got his book deal was really revolutionary. And I was like, you know what? I bet I could do what Tucker Max did. I could take that business model, apply it to Instagram, and get a book deal. If you've never heard of Tucker Max, well, I envy you. Tucker is famous for chronicling in snarky detail his many sexual conquests. He's known for his fratire, or frat boy satire. Cringe, I know. But he translated this internet identity into a lucrative book deal. To jumpstart her Instagram account and gain traction, which Caroline sees as a path to getting a book deal, in the Eyewitness Beauty podcast we shared earlier, she claims to have bought about 40,000 Instagram followers around this time, which we'll get back to in a minute. So Caroline Calloway's but prior to this viral Twitter thread, was best known as kind of a minor Instagram influencer. She takes off around 2013 when she is an American student at school in Cambridge. That's Constance Grady. She's a culture critic and journalist at Vox. Let me look up the exact date so that I can get this all grounded down in time. Constance is the brilliant genius who, in 2019, wrote one of the best and most comprehensive Caroline Calloway explainer articles on the internet. It's referenced everywhere. She somehow made sense of the impossible. So... Caroline Calloway will tell you that she pioneered long Instagram captions. I do not know that that is necessarily completely accurate. I would not say she's the only person in the world who ever thought of doing that in 2013. Um, certainly, she is one of the first people to have done it um, in quite such a large scale and to have built her brand on it. I think what is attractive to to her followers about that is that they're sort of vulnerable and confessional. It's kind of a throwback to sort of old school WordPress blogging circa like 2003. As Constance explains, Caroline amasses a seemingly organic following, and this leads to a very reputable literary agent giving the young, fresh voice a shot. Bird Level is the most charming man in publishing, I swear to God. His thing is essentially signing very charismatic figures and pulling books out of them. So he has worked with Tucker Max. He has worked with Donald Trump. He has worked with Kat Marnell. He has successfully gotten books out of all of these people. And that somehow does not seem to have worked out for him with Caroline Calloway. 
We reached out to Bird for comment and true to form, he was fabulously lovely via email, but preferred not to revisit the Callaway years of his career. And when you hear what happens next, I think you'll understand why. At the time, she has 500,000 Instagram followers, which is, I believe, what publishers were saying at the time was kind of like what you need in order to prove that you have a platform and you have people who are ready and excited to, to read your words and watch you work. And the book she sells him is sort of a continuation of the voicey, escapist memoir that she started writing on Instagram. This is where the Caroline Calloway saga and my area of expertise, book publishing, collide. Between 2013 and 2015, she managed to translate her equal parts vulnerable and picture-perfect online persona into what Caroline alleged was a half a million dollar book deal with Flatiron Books, an imprint of Macmillan. Other sources close to the deal have reason to believe it was under that half a million dollar mark. But moving on. The book was officially announced in 2016. Aptly named, And We Were Like, was the working title of her memoir, which promised to document her time abroad. When I sold the big Cambridge book deal, I wanted to call it And We Were Like, because I hate the way that like people make fun of young girls for saying like in their speech. Yeah. I don't like that at all, but And We Were Like is a grammatically correct way to describe how a group of people were at a certain point in time. And I loved that like double meaning. The publishers made me change it to schoolgirl. The title had the feel of an Instagram caption. You know, something with an aroma, but you don't get the flavor, like a scented candle. Then, between 2015 and 2017, her Insta was overtaken with evidence of a working writer's life. There were snapshots of books and pages strewn across the floor of her bohemian West Village apartment, where she moved after finishing undergrad abroad. On the gram, everything hinted at a book to come. By 2017, she is saying that she is not going to be able to actually write this book and that she is going to have to pay back some of her advance. Oh, dear. By 2017, a slew of competing reports and even contradictory statements from the author herself made it seem like she was now on the hook to pay at least $100,000 of that book advance back to the publisher. Yikes! That's what we call in the biz, not good. If Publishers Lunch categorized outcomes in the book publishing industry, they might call this not good. The next part of our influencer's story, well, that seems to entail a lot of attempts to get rich quick. In December 2018, Caroline announced her International Creativity Workshops Tour to followers. Caroline Calloway is a one-woman fire festival, and I say that for a number of reasons, not the least of which is because she actually went viral at the same time that the fire festival did. That's journalist, lawyer, author, and producer Gabrielle Bluestone. You may know her documentary Fire, which detailed how a 2018 Too Good To Be True music festival unraveled into an influencer travel nightmare. We had to chat with Gabrielle for this episode because she literally wrote the book on our collective fascination with millennial con artists, grifters, and snake oil salesmen. It's called Hype, 
And there's an entire chapter about Caroline Calloway. It's a page turner, but I digress. Back to creativity workshops. Her name started landing in my inbox along with all the fire Festival reports because she had been planning her own one-woman tour that was premised on the idea that she was going to be giving these literary workshops for her followers. Much like the fire Festival, she was offering all these incredible perks. She had promised them that they would each get a journal with a personalized handwritten letter inside. And uh, I I believe she called it a portable DIY wildflower garden, which was influencer speak for a mason jar with some flowers in it. And then as she began selling tickets to it, uh, another blogger, Kaylee Donaldson, started to notice that something was terribly amiss. And so it's interesting when you look back, what actually went viral wasn't Caroline's content. It was Kaylee's thread. As you can see, New York City media personalities became fascinated by Caroline on Twitter. Schadenfreude much? As event dates inched closer, nothing was adding up. Here's what Constance had to say about the event's implosion. So Caroline Calloway decided to host a seminar for her followers that was about like empowerment and being yourself. I think she was calling it um, a world tour of creativity workshops. And the idea was that she would charge $165 for the tickets. Um, the seminars would be four hours long. She would only be there for the for three of the hours. Um, and she was promising her attendees personalized journals, vegan lunches, and care packages that would include mason jar gardens. And the idea was they would drink coffee or tea, and there would be oat milk, and they would make flower crowns and wear them in their hair, and it would be in 10 U.S. cities and then eventually Europe. Um, So she announces all of this on Instagram, but the thing is she does not have the infrastructure in place to actually do any of this. So she's selling tickets, but she doesn't have venues booked. She doesn't really even know exactly where each tour is going to be or what it will look like. Um, And the thing that becomes sort of the inescapable moment for this whole tour and an emblem of of how the public is thinking about Caroline Calloway right now is she orders 1,200 mason jars for those mason jar gardens. And she posts a picture to Instagram of this giant truck pulling up outside her apartment with a giant pallet full of 1,200 mason jars. And she is realizing she has nowhere to store 1,200 mason jars because that's a lot of mason jars. As with her book, the reality failed to match up to the Instagram posts about these events. Instead of making an orchard crown, which was what she promised in the event description, you get to put a single flower in your hair and take a picture and then return the flower. This is pretty, it's pretty knockoff. It's pretty shabby. It's not what she promised or sold anyone. Meanwhile, on Twitter, where you can find the keepers of the literati, like me, Follow me at the book maven, wink, wink. The people were cackling. So Caroline in September 2019 starts posting on Instagram about how her former best friend, and I think she says the person who I've hurt hurt most deeply in the world, is going to write an essay that will tell all. New York Mag's Fashion Society and more women-focused vertical, The Cut, published a scathing article about Caroline Calloway. 
The article was called I Am Caroline Calloway, and it detailed how this young woman had basically created Caroline Calloway's persona for her. Written by her former best friend and ghostwriter, Natalie Beach, it would go live in September 2019. This is probably the finest thing she does, is like get everyone real excited to find out what Natalie Beach is going to say. Ahead of its release, Caroline sent up smoke signals demanding people pay attention to her on social media. My creativity workshops, Google them. They were such a success. My book deal, I'm definitely not paying that back currently and in debt because of it. So another resounding success. And the movie deal, I mean, that definitely hasn't been postponed because of Corona and come to a total fucking grinding standstill. On her Instagram story and during hastily booked internet talk show appearances, she admitted to being awful. And as an overdue thank you to Natalie, she wanted to ensure every damn person read Natalie's article in the cut. But at this point, Caroline was also capitalizing on the attention of the negative piece. She seemed to not only crave attention, but feed on it. This was the ugly side of what social media could do. On Instagram, you can wield your white privilege and your youth to open lots of doors. But those same things can also be weaponized against you. Ultimately, the piece revealed a lot. Here's Constance again. According to Natalie, she is the one who wrote most of the captions of Caroline's Cambridge adventure on Instagram. And also, the followers that Caroline amassed on that time didn't come organically. She bought a lot of them. So the followers that she used to score her book deal weren't necessarily real followers in the first place. Those lengthy, authentic, and vulnerable Instagram captions that was Natalie's work. The book proposal? Natalie's writing again. And the over 500,000 Instagram followers? Beach claims that a good chunk of them were bought. And like in a lot of episodes of Missing Pages, nothing was what it seemed. This is where we needed Gabrielle to help us understand what the hell was going on. You know, we tend to kind of there's an attraction to them. There's a charisma there. There's a confidence that people appreciate. And so when I say con artists are the only criminals that tend to fail upwards, I mean that they're celebrated for what they do. You know, they might get convicted of a crime, but people are going to buy their book afterwards. Um, people are going to watch the TV adaptation and, and be invested in it. Um, and in part, that's because the same qualities that make con artists so effective are the same qualities that we look for in leaders and CEOs and presidents. How did social media, the illustrious life of one young, pretty white woman, and book publishing collide? And like with a lot of things on the internet, was everyone enamored with Caroline Calloway? Or was it just in this one neighborhood of loud, coincidentally, also white media personalities. You know, I'm not living under a rock, but her story, I missed it. I missed it somehow. That's my amazing author friend, Disha Filia. Keep listening. You're going to hear more from her in the next chapter, right after this quick break. 
Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and Beaches Vacation.com. Chapter 2, The Unfiltered Version Carolyn Calloway is someone who has existed on the internet, um, who has built an online persona that is so divorced from the reality of her life um, that it really is almost, you know, like performance art. That's our expert on millennial cons again, Gabrielle Bluestone. So she used her Instagram uh, to parlay into a book deal that was supposed to focus on her as a young student at Cambridge, an American, you know, and in the Harry Potter world was kind of the way that it was posited. And uh, she was able to use her following to essentially scam her way into a celebrity lit agent's office. Now, to be clear, Caroline has said she bought her initial base of followers, but she maintains the bulk of her growth came organically. Not to mention paid growth opportunities aren't inherently wrong and oftentimes are a great option for people growing their brands. But like all things pertaining to Caroline, exact details are murky. Around five to 10 years ago, the publishing industry was really excited about social media. This was a whole new avenue for literary agents and book buyers to explore emerging audiences. You know, social media, for example, really, I think, has changed the way that we live and experience life. Unfortunately, you know, this idea of FOMO and doing it for the gram, people really, um, I think, to a certain degree, have stopped experiencing experiences as they're happening and are now experiencing them more for how they can present them later. And this is where two business entities, both notorious for exploitative behaviors, big tech and big publishing, cancel each other out. New York City influencer culture is a fascinating uh, kind of online world uh, that is dominated primarily by thin, white, wealthy women who um, are able to process their lives visually in ways that are really enticing. As a viewer, you see this and you want to live your life like that. You want your living room to look like We Wore What's Living Room. Um, And she makes sure that you know how she does it. Tag all the designers with a helpful link that gives her commission on whatever you buy. Um, So there's, you know, the kind of style influencers. There are more kind of social influencers, people that don't have any clear job, but are still somehow living very well. Um, You know, there are people who are influencers in kind of the literary world, um, whether they are writers or bloggers. But the thing that they all seem to have in common is having this wonderful, easy lifestyle that is digestible in individual photos and videos um, and monetizable. Over the past few years, though, something has changed on Instagram and really across a lot of social media platforms. Aspirational is out. 
Instagram is dying. YouTube, Twitter, and especially TikTok are taking over. So a couple of days ago, I completely shut down my Instagram. I left cold turkey without warning anybody. I just posted a story and went like, I'm not gonna be on Instagram anymore. Is Instagram dying or actually worse? Is it already dead? Truth be told, my friends, a lot of the old Instagram as we know it is in fact dead. It's over. Authenticity is in. But for platforms all about curation, is presenting your unfiltered self ever really possible? So I've been on Twitter since 2009. And, you know, I look back at some of, of my old tweets and there's certainly things that I would not tweet today, you know. Um, I, I think, you know, definitely subscribe to a less is more <laughs> philosophy now. Um, am I adding anything to the conversation? That's my friend Disha Filia. I don't typically talk shit about other writers on Twitter. <laughs> I will talk shit about other writers in the group chat. Disha's debut collection of short stories, The Secret Life of Church Ladies, won the Penn Faulkner Award and the Story Prize, and she was a 2020 finalist for the National Book Award. And the rumors are true. The book is in production with HBO. The Tessa Thompson is executive producing. Disha is what we call in the biz a success. This is yet another highly technical term. So um, I'm going to read a couple of your recent tweets and then um, ask you. So, for instance, this I loved 13 hours um, ago. I, I wish the dance battle in Girls Trip had been longer. <laughs> As an influencer in the literary community, Disha uses her platform to champion and celebrate other writers. You can also count on her to supply the unvarnished truth. But there's an ethos to how she approaches sharing authentically. And the bumpers are, is there harm that can be done? Is there, um, you know, miss, could a person acting in good faith misunderstand? And then there's kind of harm that's going to be done. Um, am I adding anything to the conversation, you know? Um, and that's maybe something I, I have regretted over the past that sometimes I've said things that didn't necessarily add to the conversation. And then now with the rise of the group chat, is this something that maybe I should just say for the group chat? You know, is there such a thing as being too authentic, you know, because it, it's sort of like privacy, like there's certain private things that, you know, none of us would would uh, share on social media. And so I'm sort of moving forward in this kind of I'm very open with these little bumpers these little safeguards to protect myself to protect other people but wanting to show up as who I am where if you sit down and have dinner with me I probably am the same except I will swear more at dinner but Disha didn't wake up one morning with the National Book Award and HBO knocking down her door this was a process in a way, I've been working on that book for over 20 years. Um, I've been growing as a writer over 20 years to be able to pull that off. But the stories themselves, you know, the old, you know, probably originated around 2014, 2015. The reality is most working writers have full-time jobs doing something completely different. 
I didn't allow space in my brain for to even entertain the idea of being a writer when I was younger because it wasn't practical. And it, you know, the whole idea of the starving artist, which is what I knew, it was either you were a starving artist or you were Toni Morrison, right? And to be Toni Morrison is like to be Michael Jackson. So none of that seemed attainable to me. And starving artist life did not appeal to me. I was a first generation college student, working class family. The idea was that I would go to college, get a good job and be financially independent and stable. And I didn't know any art. First of all, I didn't know any artists, period, personally. And I certainly didn't know any who were financially stable and independent, except the biggest names, you know, in, in the world. So none of that felt feasible. Um, I always got good grades in school in general, including on the papers that I wrote, but I was not um, given a lot of opportunities to write creatively Um when I was growing up and, and neither in college, because in college I wasn't taking English classes. I was an econ major, being practical. And while Deisha's story is uniquely her own, it's more the norm than what Caroline Calloway was shilling on Instagram as a doe-eyed college graduate who almost by happy accident stumbled into a book deal. When I got the offer, absolute champagne popping moment. You know, so it was the only offer I got the advance was teeny tiny, but I was thrilled. I have been trying to publish fiction at that point for 20 years and it was happening. And that, I was over the moon, absolutely over the moon. The challenge for Caroline was twofold. First, it was that she had sold a memoir on the idea that her social media presence closely resembled her authentic reality, which, as we later found out, wasn't true. The reason people followed her wasn't so much her pictures as her captions. They were always really lengthy, almost blog-like paragraphs. That was her claim to fame. She wrote some of the captions herself, but she had a lot of help from Natalie Beach, and that's kind of what she was exposing her for. Just ghostwriter things. But there was this other, less obvious piece of the puzzle, which Disha spoke to. Someone that young is really at the mercy of their editor and please God, let them have a good editor because um, one of the things that, you know, doing this as long as I did helped me um, to gain is a sense of my own strengths and my own weaknesses and the confidence and the maturity to engage an editor as a collaborator and not see them as, like, my mom. Ah, a double-edged sword for Caroline. Her bubbly youth, something that made her an attractive social media personality, well, that wasn't necessarily an asset for her in the business of writing. I've been around long enough to know more questions to ask. I still don't know all the questions to ask, which is why it's great to have an agent, but I knew more of the right questions to ask. And I just think that somebody's super young, they're just so vulnerable and they're really at the mercy of their agent and their editor. And they, you know, do you even know yourself well enough and just, you know, maturity. I can cut Caroline Calloway some slack for not spinning up a book within two years of graduating from college. 
That is possibly the most understandable part of the story. Absolutely. I mean, I didn't even know this at 32. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you don't know the nature of the beast, this big, bad book publishing industry, like many tentacles of capitalism, has the capacity to eat you alive. Even writers with over 20 years of experience like Disha can tell you that much. But does this excuse Caroline's behavior? It reminded me of something Constance Grady said. I have a friend who always says that Caroline Calloway's whole deal is like Daenerys in Game of Thrones being like, I am but a girl untutored in the ways of war. No, that's her whole deal is to sort of present herself as this sort of hapless, naive innocent who's caught up in something bigger and more complex than she could possibly have imagined that always seems to somehow end in chaos. In our next episode, Heavy is the Head That Wears the Flower Crown, part two of the Caroline Calloway story, we fall even further down the rabbit hole. From the naivete of youth, There's nothing that makes me want to do something more than being underestimated. To a foray into sex work. So I needed a way to make money, and OnlyFans, I just felt like no one thought I'd actually do it. Plus, the ever-evolving pressures of social media. Social media has changed from this presentation of perfection to almost like a a manufactured um, authenticity. It's like performative authenticity. When it comes to the illustrious life of our future memoirist, Miss Caroline Calloway, what else did we all miss the first time around? Stay with us. This next episode is a doozy. If our first episode about Caroline Calloway piqued your interest in books about the messy, the vulnerable, and the influential or really millennial scammer culture in general, look no further than these juicy titles. First, grab a copy of Hype by this podcast episode's expert guest, Gabrielle Bluestone. It's the influencer slash scammer nonfiction Bible. With tons of scientific studies and expert analysis to back up the current cultural phenomenon of influencer con artists, it's basically millennial grifter canon. Despite, or perhaps because of, all its gross-out humor and Gen Xer depression, My Year of Rest and Relaxation by Otessa Moshfe is surprisingly popular with influencers. Read it in public. You'll feel bad, but look good. Caroline's Instagram version of Cambridge owes more than a little to Brideshead Revisited by Evelyn Waugh, the great novel of British university nostalgia. Also, the perfect book for people who are Anglophiles, like our Caroline. Finally, After Claude by Iris Owens is very funny when it's not very sad. It's a novel that begins with a bad date at the film forum and ends in dubious circumstances in the Chelsea Hotel. The perfect mix of seedy and cultured. Missing Pages is a podglomerate original, and is written and produced by a small army. Showrunner, Kayla Lippman. Producer, researcher, and writer, Jordan Aaron. Producer, Matt Keeley. 
Production, mixing, and mastering by Chris Boniello. Fact-checking by Douglas Weissman. Legal review by Alexia Bedat and Louise Caron at Claris Law. Marketing by Joni Deutsch, Morgan Swift, and Madison Richards. Social media by Sylvia Butel. Art by Tom Grillo. Production and hosting by me, Beth Ann Patrick. Executive produced by Jeff Umbro and The Podglomerate. Special thanks to Dan Christo, The Eyewitness Beauty Podcast, Constance Grady, Brock Collier, Deisha Filia, Zibby Owens, Gabrielle Bluestone, Lupita Aquino, Lena Dunham, and the especially chatty waitstaff at Minetta Tavern. You can learn more about Missing Pages at thepodglomerate.com, on Twitter at Miss Pages Pod, and on Instagram at Missing Pages Pod, or you can email us at missingpages at thepodglomerate.com. If you liked what you heard today, please let your friends and family know and suggest an episode for them to listen to. I'm Beth Ann Patrick, and we'll be back next week with another episode. <laughs>